morning. I don't usually have a podium downstairs, so this is different. I'm going to be like BJ, but I promise I won't be like BJ where I'm teetering on the edge and everyone's, oh, is he going to fall? That won't be me today. I'll, I'll stay back. So if, if that bothers you like it bothers me, you have this week off to worry about that. Um, I am extremely nervous. Most of my crowd that I get to speak to on Sunday mornings range from like 5 to 12, year, 12 years old. So I'm just going to pretend that you are all, you know, kindergartners to fifth graders. So if anyone has to tell me about their puppy or what's happened this week at school, feel free. Um, it's welcomed. It will make me feel more comfortable and what I'm used to. Yeah. yeah. After the service, after the service, you can go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, uh, and I just appreciate you guys. Um, and I, as I am up here for the prayer service, I don't get to do that as often um, as I would like, but our kids are prayer warriors. And downstairs, sometimes I'm like, okay, just, just one more, just one more prayer. I have to cut them off because, uh, and I just see why they're that way. They have praying parents, praying grandparents, praying people that bring them to church. So I thank you because if you saw what was happening down there on Sunday mornings when it came time to prayer, we have a prayer wall. And often our prayer wall is filled. And that's just one Sunday morning's prayer request. And so we line the kids up and we pray, and sometimes kids have to pray more than once. We have over 30 prayer requests, and um, I think that just shows what you guys are doing at home and what you're instilling in these children. So thank you for that. Um, before I dive into the message, I just want to share a little bit of my testimony and kind of what the calling God has put on my life. Um, and in more recent days, some of you have heard... Uh, some of my testimony, but I kind of want to share what, what's got me to where I'm at right now. Uh, in 2016, BJ graduated from Nazarene Bible College. So we all packed into the car and made the 12-hour drive to Colorado. We were in Oklahoma at the time. Um, and it was a great service. It was a great time. We were in, uh, is it Colorado Springs First Church? That's where they have the graduation ceremony for Nazarene Bible College, or that's where they used to. This year it will be in uh, Kansas City, Lenexa area. Um, but it was in that service that I was sitting there and, you know, watching the graduates, and it's an exciting time. BJ had worked very hard, many years of schooling to get him to where he was, and just, you know, sitting there trying to keep the kids quiet, and this the graduates for Christian Counseling Ministries are um, were walking, was walking across the stage. And I heard God say, that's what I want you to do. And I'm like, what? I'm not ready. Like, what are you talking about? I was not prepared to hear from the Lord. I thought I was there to support BJ, and I had no idea. And then, I don't know what happened the rest of graduate. I think he graduated. I'm not sure. There's pictures of it. But I'm trying to go, what just happened, Lord? Like, I was just astonished of what um, I heard God tell me. And it was just very clear. And as much as I was like, oh, are you sure? No, it was very clear. That was what God was calling me to. And let me back up just a little bit. The year prior, um, I had the privilege of going to Nazarene Youth Conference like uh, many of our teens got to go to. And it was during that time that I had the calling for God that he told me to go back to school, to, um, to college. It had to be from God because it was one of those things I almost stood proud on that I'm not going back to college. Like, I'm fine. I'll be a wife. I'll be a, a pastor's wife. And I was proud of that. I didn't, I didn't have the desire to go back to school. And then God called me during the very last service. I was exhausted. I'd literally given myself permission 
to sleep because then we had to drive home that day. So um, we were packing into the vans as soon as the service was over and driving um, back to Missouri, which was like an eight-hour drive. And then I had a two-hour drive to get back to our home. So I said, you know, you, you, it's exhausting. Anyone who went knows how exhausted you are. So that last service, I was like, if you want to fall asleep, you know, that'll be okay. Just stand up for the worship and no one will know. Um, <laughs> and then the Lord had another plan. And again, I'm like, what? Huh? Me? Go back to school? No way. I was just, just floored. Um, but it was during Eric Samuel Tim's message, Be Do Go. And I'll never forget that. Uh, if you ever get the privilege uh, to watch or hear Eric Samuel Tim, he's an incredible speaker. Um, he has lots of YouTube videos of his messages, and he is an anointed man. Um, so I began taking classes, but again, I didn't have a direction of where I was going. So I knew I was a pastor's wife, and I knew that was what I was doing, helping in the church, serving with the youth. And so I just started with pastoral ministries. Uh, and I'm like, oh, oh, this is, these are all just Bible classes, which are good. Please, <laughs> you think that's bad to learn more about the Bible. But it was never my passion. It was never like, oh, I want to be a preacher. And <laughs> so, so um, when God finally spoke to me that day at graduation, it was overwhelming. It was like the next step I was allowed to take. I knew what direction I was then to do, what I was supposed to do when I grew up um, at the age of, we'll just say, 30. <laughs> uh, you know, and so to be a counselor, and I just felt like so much of what God had directed me to in that moment was starting to come into place. You know, what I had been through, the first calling he ever put on my life, that he wanted me to share my story um, and, and to live for him. It was just like, okay, Lord, this is, it's finally making sense. But as I look up, and I'm, you know, I'm a very emotional person, so there's tears, of course, coming down my face, and I look at everyone else in the sanctuary at graduation. No one else has experienced what I've experienced. No one else heard the call of, Alicia, that's what I want you to do. Um, and so it was kind of awkward when they just look over at me. And maybe some were surprised that I was crying, and maybe some weren't. Uh, again, it doesn't take much to bring me to tears. I, I just, that's how God made me. And so um, I immediately got up, and there is a lady at Nazarene Bible College, and her name is Jan Edwards. And if you don't have a Jan Edwards in your life, you need a Jan Edwards in your life. This lady um, immediately the next day, so the graduation for pastors is on a Sunday. Don't understand that still. But the next Monday, she was at work and getting everything lined up for me when I just said, Jan, I feel like this is what God has called me to. And we stood there in the sanctuary in the middle, I mean, in the middle aisle crying and embracing each other. And she literally has been one of my biggest cheerleaders through all of this. She has helped me when I needed help. I call about once or twice a year going, I don't understand this financial aid or this money or, you know, this, all this stuff. And she's like, it's okay. And, and she just helps. She's incredible. And um, I just pray that each of you can have a person to call to and be like, it's okay. It'll get there. <laughs> she's just an amazing lady. Um, uh, and it was just, it was great to have that next step in my journey of this is what God has called me to. Okay, now I have a journey ahead of me to get there. But at least I knew where I was headed, which was a huge relief. Now, some of you may be thinking, no, this is a great testimony, but how does this apply to me? Or what can I do with this? 
as I said, in that sanctuary, many people did not experience what I had experienced. Their perspective on what took place that day was a lot different than my perspective of what took place on that day. I had a, a, a once-in-a-lifetime encounter with God, and I'm, you know, that set the next step in my life. And others were like, we just watch people graduate. Like, it was, it was about them, not about you. Uh, and of course it was, and it was a great day, and it was a wonderful celebration, but it, for some, was just so much different. And as we look at the Bible, and we can see many stories, and especially of the disciples, where they experienced something, and everyone else's experience involved was completely different. Um, today I want us to look in Mark 6, and... We're going to look at um, the event when Jesus walks on water. But before that, I think we need to go back and look at the event that happened right before that. Uh, this was a time that Jesus was uh, doing a miracle of feeding the 5,000. Uh, many people had gathered that day and you know, were following Jesus wherever he went. And the disciples were, uh, it became dinner time. And the disciples are like, you know, they're hungry. What are we going to do? And Jesus literally looks at the disciples and says, you feed them. They're like, we don't have anything. We just came to you and said, what are we supposed to do? And Jesus' response was, well, you feed them. So he told the disciples to go and gather um, what was there of the food. So the disciples went and they gathered it and they brought it to Jesus. Jesus blessed the food. And this is what I want us to read. So everyone is then distributed the food, and then this is what happens, and it's on the screen. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. So just in case you were wondering, there were 12 disciples. I really don't feel like that's a coincidence that then there were 12 baskets of leftovers. So if we can just imagine that as the disciples were cleaning up, they each grabbed a basket. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. I've read commentaries. They don't tell us. But just for our purpose of today, if we could just imagine that each disciple had a basket of leftover bread and fish that was miraculously produced by Jesus blessing the food. Okay, so now let's get into our text um, in Mark 6, 45 through 54. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida, while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone in the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They all were terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed. For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. 
their hearts were too hard to take it in. As we look at this passage, I think we can learn a lot about the disciples' response here. I think it's miraculous that Jesus walked on the water. But again, I've read many commentaries this week studying this passage, and no one can really tell us besides that it was a miracle that Jesus walked on the water. So we just have to go praise the Lord for this miracle. But as we look at the disciples' response and think back to what event just took place, they were able to witness another miracle the day before, the evening before, not even 24 hours before this. We know that it was late in the day, so around dinner time when Jesus fed the 5,000. And our text says, in some versions it says the fourth watch. Our text today said 3 o'clock in the morning. So we know not even 12 hours of when Jesus takes loaves of bread and fish, breaks it, and feeds 5,000. Then they take the leftovers, get on the boat, and experience a massive storm. Now, as we think about the boats and what they may have experienced, I've been on boats before. Well, <laughs> I've been on ships before. <laughs> I've been on a few boats, but I prefer the bigger style ships, you know, with thousands of people. This isn't what the disciples were on. They were on something a little more like this, a smaller boat. Should be a picture. Is there a boat? It's okay. <laughs> so there's the boat. This is, I mean, again, we just have to use our imagination a little bit. But here's a boat similar. So this boat has seven people on it. We know that there were 12 disciples. Jesus doesn't tell us anywhere in the scriptures that one disciple wasn't there. So we're going to assume all 12 disciples were there. And we also know, if we remember, that they brought 12 baskets with them. So we have to imagine that things were a little tight on this boat. They're experiencing this massive storm that is coming and taking over the boat, and it's rocking back and forth. And it says that they are serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. So you have to imagine that there's lots of movement on the boat going on. But again, what did we think was right next to them? the baskets of leftover food. You have to think that maybe they were tripping on it or it was sliding across the boat as the boat was turning from the wind and the waves and running into their legs. They were constantly being reminded of the miracle that Jesus had just performed 12 hours beforehand. And yet, as the storm is coming, they're ignoring the miracle. They're ignoring the evidence that was there and they're focusing only on the storm. Okay, so I get that we have to react to what's going on around us. We can't just sit and go, there's a storm coming. I'm just going to sit here and not do anything. It would be irresponsible. They, you would think they would need to row and try to do what they need to. Their, their focus and their, their actions needs to be to take care of what's going on around them. But they allowed the storm that they were facing, to be bigger than their faith, to be bigger than what they had experienced the day before, to drown out any proof that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior, the one who had come to be with them, and the miracle after miracle that they had seen, they forgot 
And they focused only on the storms and the wind and the waves that were coming towards them. I don't know about you, but I have been guilty of this myself. <laughs> we're going to even go, I don't know about you, but this week, I was convicted knowing this was the message that the Lord had laid on my heart that there was a time when I allowed the storm to be my focus and not Jesus. My perspective was not on what Jesus had done in my life. It was on ah, the chaos of my life that I was in. But the good thing is that Jesus is still in the business of doing miracles. I know that there are times in my life when there seemed to be no way, literally, the fact that I'm up here today is a miracle from God. I mean, last night I was like, I don't think you don't love me. You can have it. I, you know, um, but the Lord had just, just called us to the step. I can think of my children being tiny infants in the NICU and just the miracle that with modern medicine that they're here today. And I'm sure that many of you can attest to the miracles that God has done in your life. And maybe if you don't have a miracle in mind, I'm guessing you're here because of someone's prayers. And that's been miraculously answered. Whether they were praying that you would come back home, that you would turn your life around, or that you would stay on the straight and narrow, and that you would keep the faith. Our life alone is a miracle. The way God brings man and woman together and creates life, that is a miracle. There are miracles literally all around us. And just like the disciples in the boat, they're hitting us in the legs. <laughs> they're tugging on us. But we all have storms as well. And I think just like me, many of you have faced storms. And whether it's this week or this year or this decade, we've all been in a storm. Times when the water seems almost impossible to just keep swimming, just to keep fighting. I've been with many of you through those storms. We've prayed together. We've cried together. We've sat and listened to each other. And these times are good when we can be together and we can share in the troubles but that's not what Jesus wants us to do in those times. I'm, that's not all he wants us to do. I think it's good to have a support system, to have someone to lean on, to have someone to cry to, but that needs to not be what our perspective is on and our focus is on. It needs to be on him. The thing is, no matter what storm you are facing, God is all around you. The miracles that he has done in your life is right there all around you. But it's easy to take our eyes off of those things and to just focus on the storm and the winds and the waves. When your perspective is off of him and on the storm, the storms are always so much bigger than what they really are. The conditions aren't different when we take our, you know, the storm can be the same size, but when we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, we have the comfort and the peace to know that he is always with us. You see, even in this scripture, it says that in verse, verse 48, it says, he saw that they were in trouble as he was on the mountain. He, didn't, he wasn't unaware of the storm that was brewing on the lake. 
He was very aware of the storm that was brewing on the lake. And as Jesus was coming towards him, towards them on the boat, on the water, they were so focused on the storm and so focused on what was going on all around them that here's what the Bible says, for they didn't even recognize him. They thought he was a ghost. Now, as we think back to that time, and maybe some of uh, the religious beliefs that people had, or some of the unreligious beliefs that people had, it was uncommon for people to believe in ghosts during this time. There were a few religious beliefs that believed that, but none of the disciples were a part of those um, groups. There's no evidence that they were tied to any of those groups that believed in it. And then the idea that it was during the fourth watch, during three o'clock, it was believed that the ghosts came at the evening and these other beliefs. So for this even to happen at three o'clock in the middle of the night, it doesn't even line up with what the others believed. So they were so hard-hearted, like the Bible says, and so blinded to who Jesus was that they made up the idea that he was a ghost. But again, I can't sit here and criticize the disciples. Because how many times have I been stuck in the storm and the answer from God has come and I have dismissed it? Maybe I didn't think it was a ghost, but maybe I didn't recognize it was Jesus. I know that I can be guilty of that. When my focus isn't on him, it's not him who I see. I see my problems, and I see the troubles, and I see the consequences. I don't see the peace and the comfort and the love and the redemption that can come from Jesus. But it matters about the condition of our heart. If your heart is not in line with Jesus, your perspective will not be in line with Jesus. If you don't see the miracles, if you just look past them, if you've just become numb to them, then in times of trouble, when those miracles are hitting you in the leg and the winds and waves are knocking you around, you're not going to see them then. I know that over the last three years as I've been in school, there have been many times that I have allowed my fears to be bigger than my faith. My perspective was on all the wrong things. I've had the miracles hitting me in the leg and been completely blinded to that. I've swatted them off like they're an annoyance. <clears throat> when instead, it should be what I focus on and am praising God for. Many times we face these wind and waves, and some storms are bigger than others. And I would imagine that you can relate to this as well. Sometimes it just seems like the storms keep coming. But this is part of life. We live in a broken world. And as many storms that keep coming, so does Jesus. He is with us. He has sent the Holy Spirit to come and reside with us and to comfort us and be with us in those storms. 
but it just matters where we keep our focus. And there's good news that just like, just what we can learn from the disciples, he is with us, he is for us. And no matter what the conditions you're facing, Jesus is bigger. But you just have to let your faith be bigger than your fear. You just have to let your faith be bigger than the storms that you're facing. You just have to let your faith be your perspective versus the storms. I think we all could want calm waters like we see up there. But that's just not a reality. I think what we have to be careful of is to not be hard-hearted like Jesus says the disciples were. That's when we're ignoring these miracles. We're not looking for them. We're not seeking God. But we're just focusing on the things of this world. As I am in my journey for um, counseling for Christian ministries, I just have a few more Bible classes left, and then, praise the Lord, Lord willing, in May I will get to graduate. But I also know that some of you here may not see counseling as something that's needed. Oh, it's just talking to somebody. It's not, nobody needs to just go talk. I've heard it. I've heard it all. <laughs> uh, but I would just say that's your perspective. I have been to counseling personally myself. Um, I find it very valuable. Um, and I encourage you that if you have questions about it, to come find me, and I would love to talk to you about it. I'm not saying that I'm Jesus, and I'm going to solve anyone's problems more than he can. But sometimes if we can just adjust our perspectives and see things differently, then the storms we're facing aren't as big as we think they are, and we can move past them. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this opportunity, and I thank you for your word. I just pray that as we go, you can help us to keep our eyes on you. To not have hard hearts like the disciples. To not be blinded by the miracle that you have placed in our life. Lord, we just thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you're always with us and that you are our comforter. You are the one who gives us peace. And as we have communion and gather to get today as a family, Lord, just help us to be thankful for all that you have done in our lives. I pray this in your name. Amen. And isn't God good? All the time. And I don't know where your perspective is today. Uh, many times, uh, and I don't know if she took this picture off of her phone or if this was a, we've been right on that, in that view, personally. Uh, not that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other one, yeah, right there. Uh, but what's interesting about that picture, as uh, Alicia and I have sat in right there and looking at that water, is if you turn to the left or the right, many times you can see a storm. And you can see the storm coming. And uh, many times, as I'm sure those, those captains of those ships do, is they try to avoid those for all of our sake as customers. Um, but I want to I tell you something, and I don't want to tell you this to be negative, but as it leads us to the Lord's table today, you may be seeing smooth waters right now. But the reality of it is, is there's probably a storm coming. 
Or maybe you don't see smooth waters. Maybe you're in the middle of the storm. And you're looking for God's grace and God's mercy, God's miracle to happen in your life. And right here in the Church of the Nazarene, we believe in one of those sacred sacraments that we can partake with together to receive His grace and His mercy. And that's coming to the Lord's table this morning. And so I want to ask you, if you would, to prepare your hearts with me as we gather around the Lord's table. If those that are going to be helping to serve, if you would just come and sit on these front pews, I would appreciate that, and we'll be ready to go here in just a moment. But the communion supper was instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection, and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins and believing in Christ for salvation, are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table this morning that we may be renewed in life and salvation and may be made one by the Spirit. In unity with the church, we confess our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. And so we pray to the Lord this morning as we receive communion. Holy God, would you pray with me this morning? Holy God, we come to you at this time to gather around your table to receive these elements that re represent the sacredness of what you did for us. As we sit here this morning to prepare our hearts, Lord, I pray, God, as your word instructs us, to examine our hearts, to examine our faith, <laughs> to examine our perspective this morning. And if there's anything in our life, Lord, this morning that is displeasing to you, that is separating us from you, God, I pray that you would make us aware of that, that you would give us a repentant heart, a heart that says, God, I no longer want to live for self. I no longer want to live in that that place of living selfishly, but God, I give this to you. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you, Lord, to walk with me in this life. As we prepare, Lord, to take of these sacraments, Lord, I pray that you would bless them and that you would help us today to be thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. In the Church of the Nazarene, it is our policy that it is an open communion policy. And what that means is basically 